な Welcome to Steadfast. I am so glad to be with you as we continue our series, The Book of Life, looking at Philippians chapter 4. Over the last few weeks, we've been thinking about the instruction that Paul has to, to help encourage the church as he finishes this letter. What is it that they should take away with them? What does it look like to be the people of God together, the people that are in the book of life? And part of that that we've focused on has been, well, how do we really relate to each other? How do we how do we speak well to each other? How do we deal with conflict? How do we live with joy together? But we keep coming back to something else, which is that it relates to then how do we show that joy to those around us? But here's a problem that happens over and over again. It happens to all of us and it happened to them then and it happens to us now, which is that we find ourselves drawn to things that take away that joy. We're coming up to the months where we have insects outside, and with that will come, maybe you have one, maybe your neighbor has one, something that produces a familiar sound, the sound, that peaceful sound of bugs zapping against an electrical charge. It just makes you feel relaxed, doesn't it? And if by chance you've somehow avoided running into a bug zapper, I think probably all of us have, but it's this nice light that provides ambiance on your patio while having essentially a little insect-sized electric chair waiting inside for any insect that's drawn to the light. They're drawn in even though it's not good for them. Even though it's actually going to bring their destruction, it draws them in so that they will hit that electrical wire by trying to get to the light. Because they think that light is something, just like other more innocent lights. Here's something else that's interesting. I was reading about bug zappers and not only is it bad for the insect, there's also a question of how beneficial it is for us as human beings, because the insects that aren't drawn to the light are the kind that like to bite us, such as female mosquitoes. Now, there are different sorts of insect traps that put out chemical odors that, that are supposed to smell like human beings being around and, and try to draw the biting insects, but the bug zappers kill the, the more innocent bugs, the ones that just buzz around and maybe even eat some of the not so good bugs. And so here we have this thing that, that's not terribly helpful in many ways. It's not helpful to the insect. The insect is drawn into this light going towards it because it feels like it wants this light. And yet as it does, it goes to its destruction. But it may actually even be harming those around it as well because that helpful insect gets fried while the ones that are unhelpful continue to thrive. That's often how it is with our thought process, too. We, we are drawn to anger. We are drawn to, to things that make us actually, it would seem, miserable. Things that allow us to be outraged and offended. We're drawn to those things because it feeds a certain part of us. There are actually psychological studies talking about that, that certain parts of the brain respond when we're angry and outraged and, and offended. And, and it actually, for a moment, gives us a rush it makes us feel good that that we're outraged. But what does it do? It, it robs us of the joy of being the people of the book of life. It, it robs us of the joy of, of sharing that hope with the world because we're busy getting all 
wrapped up in anger. Listen to the political world today. What do we find? Anger. Turn on social media. What do we find? Anger. I saw someone list the top headlines on a major news website last night and say he, he tries not to read it anymore because all it is is outrage and anger. There's anger everywhere. There, there's unforgiveness everywhere. There, there's hatred everywhere. And, and here's the unfortunate thing. Yes, the world gets drawn into that. We're human beings. We're fallen human beings. We're drawn to that light, but that light zaps us. And as people of the book of life, how horrible that is. Because not only is it destructive to us, it's destructive to those around us because we should be out there spreading the joy that gets rid of the biting insects of hatred and outrage and instead we become part of it. We don't even really realize that we're doing it. But, but Paul here is going to instruct the Philippians. He says, as you go through life, focus on things that are pleasing to God. As we do that, as we change what we focus our minds on, we're going to find it also changes what we do. So let's go ahead and come before our God in prayer and then take a look at these next few verses of Philippians chapter 4. Let's pray. Lord, would you help us? Because we, we think that we're strong. We think that we can resist the negativity that we find all around us, the outrage we find all around us, the, the constant barrage of things that tell us that we should be offended or, or angry or unhappy about everybody else and everything else. And in our world today, we, we say that's actually a good thing, that somehow that's helpful and productive. And maybe we think that we're managing it, but Lord, you encourage us to turn away from these things because we can't manage it. We think we're getting to the light and we hit the electrical wire of that outrage and that anger. And, and Father, tonight, would you help us to see where we are being drawn to that light? Would you help us to turn away from that light into the true light, the only light, that we should be drawn to, which is your light. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and dig in. Take a look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Paul writes, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. He goes on, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me practice these things, that the God of peace will be with you. So we have a lot of attributes here that Paul talks about. We, we have this list, and it's somewhat straightforward and somewhat not straightforward. There's a lot of depth to it. In fact, we're going to come back after this series to these attributes that, that Paul says are the things that we should be thinking about. We're going to do a series exploring them in depth because we can see all kinds of connections through the rest of Scripture on what God values, what he wants our minds to be filled with because it's the things that God values, the things that he wants us to be meditating on. So we're going to come back to that. But but just in brief, what we find here is that, that Paul is describing the sorts of things that God commends over and over and over again in Scripture, things that are just, things that are pure. Things that are honorable. God wants us to think about those things. Let me ask you a question. I think it's a question I don't necessarily like asking myself, which is, if, if I, I think about the time I have to, to consume something at the end of the day, say the news, do I find myself going and meditating on things that are excellent and honorable and pure 
Do I, I, I find myself thinking about what is just, or do I find myself going and reading about the things that make me upset, those things that are bad in the world, those things where the other side of the political spectrum for myself are, are doing idiotic things and I want to be angry because how could they be so horrible? Is that what I find myself doing? A lot of times the answer is yes, that's what I find myself doing. I find myself reading about what's wrong with the political parties. I find myself reading about those people I disagree with on social media and all the things that they're saying that are wrong and wanting to just be outraged over those. That's the sort of thing that can draw me in because what do we find? It's like a light to an insect. It, 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 it gives that rush for a moment because I can feel right in relationship to what is being said. Yes, this is wrong, but I have the right view and I'm going to express that view. Now, are sometimes my views right? Yes, sometimes they're wrong. But even when we're right, the, the, the challenge there is that we're being drawn into this outrage culture. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't ever be aware of what's going on because we could say that, well, we, we'll just stick our heads in the sand and, and not know what's going on in our world. That would be unfortunate. I, I do not believe that's what Paul is calling us to, but he's calling us to, to check ourselves and where we are situating our thoughts. What are we thinking about? And it's not just in the news. What are we thinking about with regards to other people? We live in a culture where there's this suspicion about almost everyone. We always assume the worst in people. And so what do we do? We, we say that Jesus loves us and Jesus loves our brothers and sisters in Christ. And by the way, I'm going to assume the worst of those people. God calls us to something different. God calls us to focus on what is good and pure and true. And that is true in, in how we relate to other people. Can we see the best in them even when our natural impulse is to see the worst? Can we look at the people we disagree with, people that get in the way of what we'd like to do, people that seem to be succeeding when we're not? Can we look at them and look at what's good and true about them, to wish the best for them? And especially when we're talking about those in the church. Because here's the thing that's so unfortunate. When, when the people of the world look at the church and they see backbiting and backstabbing and, and anger and outrage, and we're fighting amongst ourselves, what are we saying? doesn't look like a place where people want to be. God's calling us to consume good mental food, food that will make us stronger and healthier and, and more like him, rather than focusing on all the things that are the opposites of what Paul lists here. Now, how did Paul pick these particular attributes? Well, many of them are referenced elsewhere in scripture. Not all of them are. And so some people have theorized that Paul's actually quoting a cultural list of positive attributes, maybe something that the Philippians knew even before they became Christians. And that could be, because here's the thing, I think most of us, even those of us who aren't believers, it doesn't take reading the Bible to understand a lot of what's happening in our culture is terribly, terribly unhealthy. You ask most people in, in our world, do, do you like the fact that we're always outraged? Do you like the fact that, that everyone's an aggressive driver now? Do you like the fact that you turn on the news and everything is us versus them? Do you like that? I don't know anyone that says they do, even though because by necessity, since it takes other people, we're actually the ones doing those things. But there's something in us, we, we know it's not good. We know it's not good that social media algorithms constantly show the things that are most likely to make us angry, 
And yet we go and we feed off of it over and over again. We're drawn to that, that bug zapper light and we just get drawn in more and more and more and it keeps zapping more and more and more of our joy. And similarly, surely for the Philippians, this is not a new matter of the human condition. We've just refined it. We've made it stronger, but it's something that existed then too. And so Paul could be listing something that the Philippians knew. These are the things that, that people around them would have praised as well, at least in theory. Now, as you come to understand the Bible more, you understand better what does justice look like? What does what what's honor look like? What does loveliness look like? It, it changes those things, but... But at least in a conceptual sense, the, the non-Christians in their community would have understood as well. And Paul is saying, meditate on the things that God says are those attributes. And maybe those around you may not fully understand it, but you're going to understand God better. And as we do that, we are also going to show more of that, that joy. We're going to rejoice more just as Paul calls us to time and again in this letter. This is a lot easier said than done, isn't it? And I think part of it is because we think that we can somehow rise above it. I think I can somehow rise above it. I can go and look at how other people are outraged and other people are acting in, in my mind foolishly, and, and I can somehow rise above it. But what's it going to do? It's going to absorb into me. How do we find that right balance of, of dealing with the world as it is and, and then pulling ourselves out of it? That's a, a constant challenge and it's something we should do prayerfully. But we need to start by hearing what scripture is calling us to do and analyzing the things we meditate on. What do we read? What do we watch? How do we talk with other people? And to constantly ask, am I moving towards the good that's being described here or am I moving in the opposite direction? Maybe it's coveting those things that, that those around us have and, and feeling like it's unfair that we don't have them. Maybe it's that unrighteous anger that we have towards a coworker. It could be all sorts of things, but even the world understands these things are unhealthy. And how much more so should we as Christians? As we read the Bible and we have God's very word saying, here's what the heart of God values. Here's what's important. How much more should we be those who are focused on what is lovely and good and beautiful and true. And yet we absorb more and more of the ugliest parts of the world. Makes me think back to a few years ago, we were having movie nights at Faith Tree, which did and still meets in the same space as Little Hills. It's our outreach ministry to the community that we do in partnership with other churches. And we'd have these movie nights. We're hoping to return to having those. And as we'd have those movie nights, we'd serve popcorn. And for the first bit, we'd go to the, the supermarket and buy those big giant jumbo bags of movie theater style popcorn. They're always really delicious. And, and we'd get several of those big bags so we'd have enough. And sometimes you'd have more people come. Sometimes you'd have fewer people come. And when the crowd was smaller, we'd have an extra bag or two. But by the end of the night, cleaning everything up, the popcorn would get left behind and Maybe we'd go and pick it up a day or two later. And at the time, too, we had a problem in that space. We've gotten it to a much better place now. But at the time, there was an odor in the space that was coming, I believe, from the laundromat downstairs. And that odor could be pretty strong when you'd walk in. And we were trying to figure out where it was coming from and so on. But you kind of get used to it once you were in there. And it was really striking. And this was sort of a wake-up call. We need to do something about this. That we brought the popcorn home. 
and I think served it at a Bible study and or tested it to serve it at a Bible study. And all you had to do is reach in and take a handful of that popcorn and you realized it tasted like the upper room, the little the space we meet and now smelled like at the time. It didn't taste like popcorn anymore. It had absorbed this weird chemical smell that we were dealing with. And, and so it looked still like good popcorn. It had been all nice and sealed up inside its nice packaging and yet it had absorbed this this odor that was in the space and it was wow i i think we had this relatively under control i don't think it's that big a deal but guess what it is because this sealed bag of popcorn now tastes like it that's when we started to try to deal with that because it was it was wow this is what we're breathing when we go in there there's a problem that needs to be dealt with and that's how it is with our culture and the outrage that we 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 feel broadly in that culture the outrage we feel with each other that 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 inclination to believe the worst in those around us to be offended at those around us to be offended at people we don't even know that that don't necessarily vote the way we do or or, or think the way we do this outrage that we have we're absorbing it and we don't even realize that we, we look at the bag of popcorn of our life and it still looks nice and sealed up and what we need to do is use this passage to take a handful out and taste it and say do i taste like what God's truth looks like? Am I still tasting like movie theater delicious popcorn or have I become the weird chemical odor that I'm not even sure where it's coming from? What are we absorbing in our lives? We need to ask ourselves that question because as we do that, then we realize there's a poison there. There's something I need to get away from. And when, when I recognize that in my life, then I can start to move away from it, can seek the help of the Holy Spirit to become less inclined to it and then I can start to do something far better. Because when we're absorbing all that, we're overflowing the odors of the world back to the world. And it looks so unattractive and so unappealing to those asking why they should bother putting any time into God's word, into God, and into his church. But when we start to walk away from it and we start to instead focus on these things that Paul lists here, when we think of the truth of the gospel and, and we get excited as we see people edging their way towards it and not outraged because they're not quite there yet or, or not outraged with people that are hurting that, that don't yet know Jesus and what we should be doing is giving them some joy aroma in their lives. But when, we, when we're not doing that, when we're loving our brothers and sisters in Christ and, and people are seeing the church grow stronger together, when they see those things, we start to overflow God-pleasing things to the world. We start to give what the world needs, even if it doesn't know it, rather than the things the world already has. Let's take a look again at verse 9. And if we go to verse 9, what do we find there? We find that in Paul's list here, he's saying that we're not just thinking about things. This isn't just merely about what we think. When we do that, what Paul is saying here, guess what happens? When, or when we think these things, we start to do these things. And that's the amazing part. Paul says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Isn't that amazing? The God of peace will be with us when we do these things. And the the challenging thing there is, is we don't think that we we need to refocus. We feel like we have it under control. But what we're not doing is actually experiencing God's peace. Let me ask you that question. When, when you read, practice these things, and the God of peace 
will be with you. Do you feel like you're experiencing that peace in this moment? Not do you, do you know that God's there or not that do you feel like you're saved, but do you feel like you're really experiencing God's peace in this moment? Most of us, I don't think, are feeling peaceful in this moment. I hear again and again how people are hurting and people are struggling, and it feels like our world is one big world of anti-peace in this moment. What Paul says is, as we marinate on the beautiful aroma of the gospel, instead of absorbing the, the ugly, deadly chemical smell of the world, not just that we start to practice God-pleasing things, but because we start to become more like him, we actually experience more and more of the very nature of God, his peace, even in the midst of the chaos of the world. It's not just God's peace, something that he possesses, but God's the the God of peace. That is, God's very nature is true peace. And so the more we think of the things that he values, the more we think of the things that he says that are commendable and that we should hold on to, the more we are like him, and therefore our nature is a nature of peace as well. What a beautiful thing. Paul often likes to end his, his letters with a benediction that, that refers to the God of peace. And, and here, as he starts to wrap up this letter, He's almost there to the end. As he starts to wrap up this letter, he doesn't just wish that people experience the God of peace. He says, here's how you do it. You think on the things that he values. You seek what his heart. And as you do, you will experience it. As you do that, as we experience it, as I do that, what's happening? I start to be far more useful for the kingdom. I start to actually do the things that are transformative to the world. And it may seem small and it may seem like bailing out the ocean. How in the world can I ever bring peace to this place of such unpeace? It doesn't fall all upon any of us, any individual, to somehow take away the, 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 the disruptions of the world, the outrage of the world. What falls upon us? To look at the people that God's placed in our lives and bring peace to them, to bring joy to them, to help them to see if they don't know Jesus already, that there's actually something better when you do. That's what we're talking about here. So we go from being those who are, are worth discarding, at least in any worldly sense. I'm not talking about salvation here. We go from just getting through and resting in God's grace to then being those who actually are agents of God's grace, spreading it into the world. Those of you that live in St. Charles and even in the general metro area have heard the, the big headline over the last couple of months, the big controversy that, that our local power utility, Ameren, seems to have had chemicals leak out of its, its power substation and, and contaminate the water wells for the city of St. Charles. And so those wells have ultimately needed to be shut down because they found chemicals in the, that were coming through those wells that were producing that are carcinogens. They are actually poison and they were going into the well. And so at first they were trying to determine, well, is it still safe to run the well? And I'm really glad they decided it wasn't. They turned it off because let me ask, how much of a carcinogen would you like to consume? How much poison would you like in your water? And I think all of us would say, well, I'd really like to not have any at all. I'd prefer not to have that in my life. 
when we're talking about our physical health, it's pretty easy for us. I'd like as little as possible the things that can make me sick, especially things that can make me deathly sick, and, and as much of the things that are good and, and, and healthy. Well, how much more so for our spiritual lives? That well is still there. It still works, but it's not actually producing anything to refresh the people of St. Charles. It's been shut off from the water supply. The, the well didn't go away. It's just not productive. And when we're allowing the spiritual carcinogens to come into our lives and we're, we, we know that's leaching in and we're, going, we're actually going to the sources of those poisons and just opening our doors to them and saying, come on, leech on into my life, we're, we're like that well that's no longer productive. And the world is thirsty. The world needs the spiritual refreshment that only Jesus can provide. And his church is called to tell people that he provides. So let us turn away from that. God calls us to the good. And when we, we reject those spiritual carcinogens, when we say, it's, sure, I want to protect my physical body, but how much more I want to protect my, my heart, my mind. I, I want to think the things of God. I want to be more like him. And we say, yes, this, this thing over here, the people aren't thinking like, like God thinks, and that upsets me, but I don't need to think about that all the time. Yes, I can turn on this TV channel, and they'll tell me about what's wrong in the world. I don't need to listen to that. Yes, this movie, everyone's talking about it, but it is really foul in its content. I don't need to see it. Yes, I, I, it's fun when I can talk to other people. I can gossip about what's wrong with, it, with the people that aren't immediately there, or, or I can get angry at someone and feel self-righteous for a moment, but I don't need to because I'm so thankful that Jesus doesn't do that to me, even though he's the only one with the true right to do it. That calls us to the good, the good that he gives us. When we focus on that, we become a well restored, a well that can bring refreshment to a desert of this world. Let's pray that that's what I can do tonight, what you can do, what all of us can do, and that we can be his church, truly being his church in this world. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, you have come and taught us what is good and true but we get honed in on what is false. And even when we're trying to hold on to the truth, we spend more time thinking about what we need to fight against, the enemies of the truth, the, the, the things that we th at least think are enemies of the truth, even when they're not, than we do to think about the truth. But you don't call us to spend all our time thinking about threats to your kingdom because nothing can threaten your kingdom. You don't call us to, to think about threats to our own personal well-being. You call us to think about what's good. You call us to, to look to the one who actually entered into the, the threat to his being by, by being crucified and dying for us. To think about what you have called good and, and to, to chase after it, to seek after it. That we might refresh those around us. That we might refresh those who are brothers and sisters in Christ because we're, we're encouraging each other, we're building each other up. That's what we're spending our time doing. And then beyond that, that we're encouraging our neighbors, our co-workers, our community, our world by showing something that is refreshing and pure rather than something that's toxic and, and poisonous. Lord, would you help us to do that tonight, we pray, and, and, and not just tonight. Would you help us to truly turn away from what is evil and poisonous and turn to what is good? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope this encouraged you tonight. And you might be saying, well, but 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 where do I turn to get some encouragement in this? 
because it seems so hard. I, I can even go to, to many popular Christians and their writings and what are they doing? They're all upset because here's the thing, even when they don't realize it, even when we don't realize it, we've absorbed so much of this culture and this outrage that, that even the things that you would hope would be focused on the good and the true often aren't. But something I love that God has brought about that, that we get to be a part of is the Faith Tree Online Community Prayer Walk. And it happens twice a year. It's happening this Thursday, March 9th. It starts at 8 a.m., runs all day long. It's a constant loop, so you can come in at any time, watch for as long or as short of time as, as you'd like. But here's what it's going to do, and it's going to help us to focus on what's good and true. It, it's an opportunity to pray for each other, to pray for the world, to pray for churches that, that serve together, to pray for those who need the gospel, to pray for the wars going on in the world, to pray for the health problems going on in the world, and so much more. And you can come and pray with others who will be watching at the same time, literally all around the world. And what will happen as we do that is that we can encourage each other. And here's a challenge I'd like to give you. If you've been a part of it before and you've watched for a little while, and if if that's all you can do, wonderful. I'm so glad you've taken a few minutes or, or a little longer to do that. But if you normally listen to talk radio or you normally spend the day with cable TV on, cable news, something like that, turn it off, turn on the prayer walk. If you, Whether it's on your TV or your computer or your smartphone, listen to that for the day instead. Hear it over and over and allow, instead of the news cycle repeating over and over, hear people sharing devotionals of, of how God's spoken to them about areas of prayer need. Hear that instead this week. Listen to the soft music and, and see the prayer prompts that are that when you have a moment, you can stop and, and, and pray for the needs of the world. I love just absolutely soaking it in. And I think if you would do that, it will be a truly transformative experience for you this week. So please mark it on your calendar. Take part as much as you can. It's this Thursday, March 9th, and I hope to see you there. Hope to see you again next week as well. I hope you have a blessed week in the meantime. If you have any questions, comments, prayers, feel free to shoot a text to the number on screen. It'd be great to hear from you. And if you have any questions, I'd be glad to talk and pray with you. Hope you have a blessed week and I'll see you again very soon.